And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 164, a.k.a. season 2, episode 32. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And since and since we still give out the phone numbers, uh, e- even though some of you people don't like to call in, for whatever reason, uh, here they are, uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So stop stop being so scared to to talk to us and tell us what your favorite government program is and why. And we can discuss it on air, on our turf, on our terms. Um, So what is going on with you this week, MC? Um, And I'm drunk. (laughs) Still hungover or still drunk? That's a a little bit of both, I think. I kind of... Yeah, trying to still figure that out. Um, but I was thinking about party politics again and maybe getting involved in one of the parties. And, God uh, damn it. God see, damn it. See where that goes. You know, I go, I, I go back and forth on a lot of that. And, um, so, some, some of what the Libertarian Party does uh, does create you know, a, a legal way to expand freedom to some uh, aspects. Um, Talk about the national party or like the local libertarian? No, the, the local party. The national party you know, it's, just, it's just there to get attention. Um, yeah, so, so in Hawaii the politics is so bad that people have no idea what they're doing and there's no, they have no challengers. So they ask for advice from, from third parties all the time. Okay. And they're not dumb well, they, I mean, they're they're very corrupt, but they don't they don't even understand how they are. So um, it's it's this is really weird, you know. <laughs> okay. It's like you have this big responsibility, given you know that you you take for granted, and then they don't know what to do with it, and so they ask people like, "Hey, how am I supposed to do my job?" Like, <laughs> okay, it's just. Do you have some specifics so in mind, or I'm I'm. I mean, no, I, I hear I, what you're saying. I'm just having a little bit of trouble understanding, understanding where you where you're getting to. So, so there's think tanks in in Hawaii, you know, political think tanks. Okay. And and the the politicians ask these people, you know, how do we solve these different problems, right? Okay. So it's it's good that they have people that actually care and have actual good ideas. Uh, free market ideas uh, to tell them, you know, what to do. Um, it's it's unfortunate that anybody even has the power to implement anything, um, but you know that's that's just one, you know, it's one way to you know, increase freedom through their stupid legal system, right? So, so rather um, than become the politician, you're talking about like influencing political decisions. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one way of doing it, and then the and the libertarian libertarian party is just uh, the support framework uh, to attract uh, you know free thinking people to you know get, get get together in a group. Now whether or not they you know put any politicians in office is is really secondary or thirdary or it doesn't even freaking matter because it never happens. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's. Kind of what I was thinking about. What 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 do you think? Uh, you, you were saying that uh, 
that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Why, why is it so untaste, untasty? <laughs> well, primarily because I'm an anarchist, right? So anytime, <clears throat> any anytime someone says like, "Oh no, we gotta, we've got to uh, work within the system," right? Or or you know, put together a political campaign. I kind of feel like, mm, like so 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 close to being on the same page as me, um, and yet not. Right. Like I've said this before, depending on the circle that I'm in, I, I will I will use the term libertarian to describe myself um, unless I'm with libertarians. Right. Because those people aren't extreme enough for my liking or for my taste. So even when they say, no, 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 we're, we're going we're we're in the party, we're going to be discussing, you know, political issues and how to solve them. Um you know, and, and, and run, run candidates for whatever. I just go, man, I don't, I don't even want, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be in the system. I don't want to run candidates, um, at all, because even if you win, right, like you say, you may say like they never win, which is great. Um, but even if you win, right, the, the, the policies that get put in place, uh, are still applicable to those who would not agree with you, right? They, they're, you know, they, it it's still being it's still policies that are forced upon certain groups of people that would rather not have them forced upon and um unless you're a libertarian who's like refusing to take a salary uh for the for the office you're getting elected to you're you're now being you know subsidized or funded uh through through taxpayers expenses right like and i don't for the same reason i don't have a state job or wouldn't even think about getting a state job I wouldn't look for a state paid uh, elected position either. Right. Like, you know, I, I can understand again, if you go like, well, no, I'm not going to take the paycheck. I'm just going to run the policy that way. You guys aren't funding it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to introduce any policies that have um, positive implications, right. Where people are required to do things only, only uh, negative implications where people are no longer required to do things. Right. And any 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 existing policy where there's a positive obligation, right? I'm I'm either going to ignore or get rid of, right? Then I don't I I, I don't I don't see how that's an effective way to bring about uh, an anarchist society. More freedom, maybe, right? But again, I I stay on the extreme borders of of freedom and say like, well, e- either a hundred percent or what are we talking about, right? Like if, if you can, if you can introduce policies to get us 50% of the way there, why not just introduce policies that get us a hundred percent of the way there and stop dicking around in the middle. Um, and a lot of times when I hear like, you know, lib- libertarian discussions about, you know, what needs to be done, um, it turns into like the Cato Institute. And for, for a while I was a big fan of the Cato Institute and so you really start reading some of their like policy papers. And it, it's all based on the assumption, well, as long as we're going to have a government, as long as we're going to have a state, as long as, you know, it, it, pre, it presumes that that's, you know, always going to be the case and 100% necessary, um, and then goes on with the policy from there. And I rather work towards solutions that don't involve the state at all, right, that doesn't presume its existence is, you know, final or necessary, um, and then work, work towards those ends, right? You know the, the 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 state does not need to be a permanent fixture in in our lives, 
and you know to to assume such makes it so right if you go like well you know and and again this is again i keep saying that because I, I, I keep i bring this up all the time um when when you assume that to be the case right you you lose focus and you lose track of the ultimate end goal and that's you know the stateless free society and i think that's what that's what we as anarchists and for, for you know for certain libertarians maybe that should be the goal right any anything that anything that works toward that direction is fine um but any type of solution that stops short of that right is ultimately unnecessary and i would say detrimental does that make sense uh sure yeah um i i think you know if living in a stateless society is the goal though if we're you know most likely going to have to move i'm not sure if we have to go as far as mars but um yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and we've talked about that on the show before too. Any any number of the move here projects, right? To to get you to you know more freedom or more liberty, um, not accepting that you know it's it's no matter where you go, it's going to be a hundred percent free. Um, but that's the that's one thing that you can do externally, right? Outside of the system to show your distaste for the system. Right. I don't know if I have any uh, on show prep this week, but there were, you know, maybe I do. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um, I'm going to here's one headline um, just to 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 give you an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, retirees are leaving America to save money. Right. That's you, you say, like, well, America's too expensive. America has, you know, too much uh, encroachments on freedom and liberty. And what do you do? Well, you move elsewhere. Right. And and, and you know, it's like getting a head start. Um and I'm, I'm a, a participant, even though I have not made the move yet, I'm working on it uh, for the Free State Project um, to move to New Hampshire, because where we currently live in Hawaii, right, it's, you know, we're ranked like 47th in the, the most recent uh, Freedom in the 50 States that I read. And New Hampshire was either like number one or number three or somewhere in the top five. Right. So it's not it's not that I moved to New Hampshire and I'm 100 percent free and like, oh, my God, anarchist paradise. But there's a head start. Right. You know, so if you're if you're like thinking about moving out of the United States to a more free country, then do it, because at least there's yeah. a head start but, there. But then but you still got to work time. towards 100 percent somewhere but at the same. But at the same time, it was it's politics that made it possible to have more freedom there to begin with. So um, or lack they thereof. Have, well, they still have a government. They still have taxes. They still have all that stuff. They still have police. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is the same thing can be a, could you know potentially. I'm not saying it will be. It's, it's freaking Hawaii, but um, you know, could potentially happen here uh, through politics. Yeah, and and I'm gonna say probably not through politics, or better off not through politics, right? Like you you can say that it was the political environment that set it up there and i'm gonna say it's the lack thereof right because if if they had a bigger badder political environment there um they would have all the rules and regulations and corruption that we do here right you 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 it's it's what's it they're opposites right like the, the the more freedom and liberty the less you know the less politics are involved you know the less freedom and liberty the more bureaucracy the more politics are involved so not you know if you're even comparing countries you go you go to the country um you know uh, hopefully english speaking because that's the only language i know 
that uh, that allows you the most freedom right and then and you get the head start and but if you stop there you know it's still detrimental right because then you know it, the, the state will work against you and slowly chip away at your newfound liberties um so it's always it's always a struggle to get to that 100 percent mark um and it could be a never-ending struggle i don't want to think that way um but to, to 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 stay in Hawaii, number one, where the political environment is, you know, such a mess and so corrupt and try to work within that system to try to make yourself a little bit more free here through politics. Right. I just I, I, I it again leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You know, I'd, I, I'd, 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 I'd rather just have, you know, a rebellion and string them all up and start from scratch. Right. Like, I, you know, I was driving home the other day and I just it just it just, I just felt um, like a, a, a rebel waiting for the rebellion to begin. Right. Like as as soon as, you know, and, and part of the conversation that we had the other night um, at the, the, the presentation was, you know, what what to do in the meantime. Right. Like the there the, the, the time for, you know, armed rebellion isn't here yet, um, but we're well past the point of, of turning things around. So what do we do in the meantime? And I'm, you know, just so right now, just waiting it out, you know, wait, waiting it out for the, for the time to, for the real rebellion to start, um, and the real, you know, uh, libertarian ish, uh, revolution to commence. Um, but until then, you know, just stay out of the system as much as possible. And, and, you know, like agorism, right. You know, work on that side of things to circumvent and subvert the state um, rather than try to free other people um, through politics. Otherwise, like I said, you go back into like the anarchist, egoist, you know, point of view where they go like, well, if you want to be the most free, you just, you become the politician because, you know, they're the elite group of people. They're more free than everybody else. And you just, you know, for, for your own person, you just become that. Right. So it doesn't matter. You don't even do the libertarian party. You just pretend to be a Democrat or Republican and say whatever it takes to get into office and do whatever it takes to get, you know, the most amount of money and the most amount of votes and whatever. And then once you're there, who cares? Like, you know, fuck everybody else. Um, you're, you're now the upper echelon. And even that. Right. Well, that's that's part of the problem is fuck everybody else. Like <laughs> Right. That's 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 the that's the part that leads to non-functioning society. I mean, I, I hate using that word society, but um, the the goal in, in my mind is, is creating a place where the, the threat of violence is, is the least. And if, if becoming a politician is the only way to not be threatened with violence, then uh, then there's a problem. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, but um, that but it's also the solution, right? Like if if you don't want to be threatened with violence, you know, uh, you know, it's the old cliche: if you can't beat them, join them, right? You know, if if you don't want to be uh, uh, attacked by the police, you got to be a policeman, right? Because they, 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 for the most part, unless you're extraordinary, an extraordinary asshole, right? They close ranks and protect each other, and they 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 rarely narc and they rarely. You know, they, they rarely arrest each other. They rarely convict each other. They, they get away with almost everything. Um, so if your goal is like, you know, the, the least amount of violence incurred upon you uh, in your average everyday life, well, then you join the most violent people, right? And you're like, well, I'm now I'm one of you. Leave me alone. Um, 
And that's, you know, that could be an effective strategy. Now, would I call that the anarchist strategy? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, for, for the individual, it could very well be the most effective strategy um, in, their, in their personal life. I just wouldn't choose it because I don't, I have no desire to uh, impose my will or infringe upon the rights of other people. Um, just to, just to say that I'm, I am my, I am now free, right? That's an ethical and a, and a moral limit, um, that I place now, am I okay defending myself against those that, you know, in, infringe and impose upon me for the most part? Yeah. It depends, you know, the, you know, pick your battles, whatever. Um, but yeah, if you want to defend against that encroachment, by all means, please do. Um, but don't, don't join the, uh, don't join the ranks of those who do the imposition and then try to call yourself like an anarchist, uh, in any sense of the word, an individualist, maybe an egoist. Absolutely. Uh, but I think you, I think you lose the term anarchist when you, when your strategy for freedom is to impose your will on others to make sure that you remain free and they don't. All right, we got some headlines. All right, well, I read one. Retirees are leaving America to save money. Uh, headline, federal court proves government loyalty to big pharma rules CBD has no medical value. Uh, headline, the battle of ideas turns coercive. Headline, cops now kidnapping and caging people for leaving their cars running. Uh, headline, before and after welfare handouts. And finally, headline, city slaps burn victim with violation for not mowing lawn while he was in the hospital. Um, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh, anywhere is fine. All right, we'll go with the retiree one because I read that first and it kind of segues into, you know, what a strategy you can use to, to better, you know, your life um, for freedom or for monetary gain. Uh, reading the article, retired Americans who are down on their luck are moving out of the country to stretch their savings and social security income. For folks worried about stretching their nest egg, even a few years spent in a good value place abroad can make a big difference on the bottom line. Uh, moving overseas can be a solid strategy for shoring up savings, according to Jennifer Stevens, executive editor of internationalliving.com. Uh, Stevens said the expatriate option is enticing many Americans. It's never been easier to retire overseas. The infrastructure is better than ever. Technology keeps you connected to family and friends back home. And there is a wealth of safe, welcoming, beautiful options overseas, she said. Uh, possibly the most important factor uh, for a generation of undersaving Americans, Stephen said, in many places, a retiree can live comfortably uh, for less than $2,000 a month. Kathleen Petticord, 55, who took the plunge 20 years ago with her husband, is now the author of How to Retire Overseas, Everything You Need to Know to Live Well for Less Abroad. She said the most tax-efficient countries for Americans living abroad are Panama, Belize, Uruguay, and Malaysia. Uh, the positions of these countries on taxing is about as good as it gets. In these four countries, you pay tax only on what you earn in the country. Earn no income within the country, and you pay no tax in the country, she wrote. Indeed, the number of American retirees living elsewhere is rising, according to the U.S. State Department, uh, which says 8.7 million Americans are living abroad. It projects that number will rise in the next decade. Some 500,000 Social Security payments are sent overseas, about 100,000 more than two years ago, according to the federal government. Uh, but Stephen said those numbers are unlikely undercounted, or excuse me, are likely undercounted. 
Uh, most Americans are retiring to places where U.S. currency is welcome and retirement budgets work, according to a travel expert who has written for numerous publications. Uh, Petticord said that living abroad can start as a financial move, but often become something more meaningful. Uh, for many, the decision begins with a concern for their retirement nest egg may not be enough, may not be big enough to carry them through, she said. But she added, every retiree I've known who has taken the bold, brave leap and moved to a foreign country has come to realize that the real benefit isn't the reduced cost of living, but the enhanced quality of life. Uh, end of the article. Um, I don't know if there's much more to add because we, we've talked about this before, but your thoughts anyway, uh, MC. Um, yeah, um, that sounds interesting. I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go to All Belize, right. like, like, Be like McAfee. Belize? Okay. <laughs> Just don't kill anybody and you won't get kicked yeah. out of the country? Yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> don't, don't try to hire a, a militia. Uh, <laughs> see but if your goal is to be more free right and you can afford a militia to protect you at all times well, right i think i don't know was he on the right track with at the beginning when he was you know giving gifts to the local police you know trying to get them on his side I, again i'd say it depends on your strategy i wouldn't i would not call that an anarchist strategy but it could no, be an individualist but, strategy it could be a, yeah, an egoist strategy yeah, it's an egoist strategy, and that's and that's, you know, I I don't I don't think McAfee is a good, I don't think he's a great libertarian. I think he's uh, I think he's mostly ego. Okay, um, and that's why he's, he wants to be president. You know, well, he's also <laughs> self-described as an anarchist, right? So so what is uh, yeah. what is a self-described so, anarchist doing running for president or any office for that matter? As as long as he's free, that's. That's what he cares about. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the reasons he ran for president is just to make it just just to get more people on his side, basically. Okay. So if he's got thousands of followers, he can't possibly be a a, a murderer because look, what you know that's ridiculous. You know, people wouldn't follow him if he was a murderer. So <laughs> it's just it's just more to his story, I think. Okay. And I, I, okay, so. Part of that, that's the that's part of the discussion that I think I wanted to have but didn't have. And I, I, I said it on the show before, but if you haven't heard me say it, um, the only place for, for party politics um, as a useful strategy to get more freedom um, is satire, right? It, and which is why, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. And, and uh, yeah, we've got a, or you have a satire pub political party set up yes. already. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was an April Fool's joke a few years ago. Um, but on, on the presidential level, right, like, I, I would never vote for him, but I'm a big fan of Vermin Supreme because he's hilarious. Right? Like, what he does um, to, to, to poke fun um, at the system uh, and, and to, to get his message out there um, about how ludicrous the entire process actually is uh, may not be the most effective, right? Uh, but it's it, it's effective enough for me to go like, yeah, I'm okay with that guy. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned uh, about his him imposing his will uh, on me because I think I think that deep down he gets it, and that's why he runs the type of campaigns that he does. Right. He's he's not he's not a real quote unquote politician. He's not a, a real quote unquote statist. Uh, 
I don't think he's ever come out and explicitly said like I'm an anarchist. Uh, quite the opposite, right? Because he's you know he's a presidential candidate every every four years, um, and on the ballot in some cases. Uh, but it's it's just the 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 poking fun at the system, right? And if and if the liber- and if the libertarian party, right, had a platform that just poked fun at the system. Or if they, if you're, if the meetings that, you know, the party politic meetings that you were attending were just to come up with, uh, satirical uses uh, and satirical methodologies of subverting the real, the real, um, politics, right? If, if, if you get on, if you get enough signatures, uh, to get in the debate and then you spend all your debate time poking fun, right? At the other candidates and making a mockery of the, the debate structure as opposed to trying to highlight, you know, some of your uh, more pet projects or, or pet, um, pet policies, right? I could definitely possibly maybe uh, support that type of strategy. But when you go like, well, no, we got to do, here's the, as long as we're going to have the state, here's the policies we have to be put in place, um, the no, right? And if and even if, I'm tie this in real quick, even if we move to Belize, right, I still would hope, right, that as anarchists, um, there would still be like, you know, looking at that system, right, learning that system, and then finding ways to poke holes in that system uh, to to make it even more free uh, than what it is, right? Like, why, why accept a little bit better than here uh, when, like I said, the end goal is 100% uh, freedom and, and complete liberty, uh, if not just for me, but for everybody, right? Like you can, you can have a hundred percent freedom and liberty for you, um, you know, with, with enough money and enough political connections. Um, but I still wouldn't, I still don't consider that, um, a, a real anarchist paradise. Moving on. Yes. All right. Let's skip ahead. The battle of ideas turns coercive. <clears throat> Excuse me. Too many people and governments want to shut down and punish speech they disagree with. Uh, A couple of months ago, Marriott fired Roy Jones, a 49-year-old social media manager. His offense? He liked a tweet praising Marriott for listing Tibet as a country rather than as a part of China. The Chinese government objected, and soon Jones was gone. Uh, Marriott said its own listing of Tibet as a country was a mistake. But its mistake was not enough to save Jones's job. Neither was the fact that Twitter is banned in China, so most citizens can't access it. Uh, China's government is notoriously touchy. It doesn't like Winnie the Pooh, whom it thinks looks too much like Chinese President Xi Jinping. It also is hypervigilant about those things it finds offensive. Uh, in a column for the Washington Post, Josh Rogan quoted Katrina Lanto Sweat head of a human rights group who says China is not content with censoring and controlling its own citizens. It is using the immense power of its financial resources in every country in the world. Uh, That includes the U.S., where major corporations such as Apple are cooperating with Chinese censors to control what Chinese citizens can see. This is totalitarianism, uh, not merely an effort to maintain authority over a populace, but to wield total control over everything even remotely related to China, and to stamp out anything that presents even a minor threat to official doctrine. There is a lot going on uh, these days. Witness, for instance, the pressure campaign against companies that advertise during Laura Ingram's show. 
Uh, Ingram wrote a tweet mocking Parkland's shooting, shooting survivor and gun control activist David Hogg for being rejected by several colleges. This was a stupid and mean thing to do, but hardly a crime against humanity. Uh, Ingram apologized. Nevertheless, an assortment of acti activists began pressuring companies that advertise on Ingram's show to drop her. Many did. Her show now carries about half the advertising it did previously. Uh, stipulated. Freedom of speech emphatically does not grant people freedom from consequences. Uh, Fox has stuck by Ingram, but it would have just as much right to fire her as Marriott had to fire Jones. Moreover, advertisers have no duty to support any particular show or personality, and activists have every right in the world to share their views with advertisers. Uh, nevertheless, the effort to pressure Ingram advertisers does carry a whiff of the Chinese approach. Instead of simply denouncing Ingram, answering speech with more speech, her critics have been trying to silence her. Uh, the same phenomenon has been taking place on college campuses uh, and off them, as members of Antifa and their fellow travelers try to no-platform, uh, that is, deny an opportunity to speak anyone who commits what they consider a thought crime. Uh, this effort has reached an uh, ironic nadir earlier last fall at the College of William & Mary, where a Black Lives Matter group shouted down Claire Guthrie uh, Gastanaga, the head of the Virginia ACLU, had, who had shown up to talk about free speech. And even more, an even more worrisome example of censorship by proxy has occurred in New York. As reasons J.D. Tassil reported a few days ago, Governor Andrew Cuomo directed bank regulators to scrutinize whether any business relationships the financial institutions might have with the NRA sends the wrong message. Uh, the state's Department of Financial Services promptly warned banks and, and insurance companies that, that how they do business and with whom could affect their reputational risks an area subject to state regulations. In short, the governor was warning financial institutions that they could face government penalties for doing business with an organization that advocates for a civil right. Uh, this is not a happy precedent. Imagine how the Trump administration might wield it against banks that do business, say, with anti-immigration groups. Uh, the government can't go after the NRA or immigrant rights groups directly, but it can try to silence them indirectly by making it impossible for them to conduct their affairs. Uh, at bottom, there are only a few ways to change other people's behavior. Persuasion, coercion, and force. Uh, the freest societies rely chiefly on persuasion. The most tyrannical rely strictly on force. Uh, coercion, relies on, coercion lies in the nebulous middle. Increasingly, it seems that those who find a given idea objectionable are no longer willing to fight it with persuasion alone, which raises the question, how far down the scale towards force are they willing to go? Uh, end of the article. Uh, your thoughts, MC, on using coercion uh, to, to get people to do what you want. Yeah, I'm still hungover, so you're going to have <laughs> to take this one. Okay. <laughs> um, this this kind of uh, – the, the first thought that popped into my head when I was reading this article um, – was all the banks who, you know, closed people's accounts for uh, transacting in Bitcoin, right? Like, you know, we, we no longer want to do business with you if you're going to be doing business in crypto. Um, and, you know, the first thought is, well, that kind of sucks because, you know, why, why would you shut down people's accounts just for, um, you know, products and services that they choose to buy? And, but then on the other hand, I go like, well, that's the whole point of crypto, right? Like, I don't, if I have my, if I have a Bitcoin 
uh, account or a Bitcoin wallet or any other, you know, crypto um, exchange type service. Um, that's that's my way out of the banking system. Right. So right. so to so to get denied by right. the banks shouldn't matter um, in the long run. In the short term, it makes things a little bit more complicated as as you know, the, the crypto economy is growing. Um, but in the long run, right, I just I get my cash and I buy, you know, I buy Bitcoin or whatever. And then I just use that to to conduct business with people. And I don't I don't need the banks anymore. Um, so when when you know, if and uh, if you know to get fired from a job um, for that kind of stuff, I go, well, you know, hopefully you have the, the skills required um, to just get a new job. All right. Like I'm. I'm never concerned about like not being able to get hired somewhere. Um, you know, if I get fired, right? Like I'm, I'm good enough at most things where I can, I'm valuable to an organization. Um, and I also don't mind boycotts, right? Like if you, if you're, if you're going to boycott a product or service, you know, fine. Um, but that should be, that should be the end of it, right? If you, if you don't like what Laura Ingram says, don't watch her show. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you don't think Tibet is a country, then like, who cares? Right. Um, but for, for the government to get involved and to, to, you know, to tell organizations that if you do business with certain people, um, you're going to, you're going to be in for it with us. Uh, that kind of, you know, that kind of crosses the line, right? That's, that's, you know, that's the business, that's the business not being able to make decisions on their own. Um, and unfortunately they're the ones being coerced, right? Like I've always, um, you know, with, with bosses and whatnot, when it comes to like, you know, tax withholdings and, and such, I go, well, you know, I understand your point of view, right? You are clearly not a moral and ethical anarchist, right? You're, you're somewhere on the other side, um, of the table and you're going to do whatever you have to do to keep your business going, right? Like it's not, there's no, there's no moral and ethical dilemma for you. It's more just a financial thing you know, play ball or else. And as long as you understand that, you know, the or else is the government takes your business, then fine. Um, I don't fault you for those decisions. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if that, if it costs me my job, um, then so be it. Cause I don't, you know, um, I don't care, right? Like I'll, I'll, I'll find another way to survive. I'll find another thing to do, um, regardless of what it is. I think we talked about that a little bit, um, at our meetup, you know, like I, I kind of thought that either, either my headstone or my, uh, memoirs will be titled like damn the consequences. Um, because I don't, I, I hate the thought and I hate having to do, so I don't do it very often of doing anything remotely immoral or wrong. Um, in my, in my view, right. I just go like, well, I'm going to do the right thing regardless. Um, and damn the consequences and I'll deal with those as they rise. Um, so, you know, it, 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 like the article says, freedom of speech emphatically does not grant people freedom from consequences. I'll just live with the consequences of using my free speech. Um, and, un, and unfortunately, right. That's, that's kind of the, the world we live in right now, right. It's, uh, someone described it as, you know, fe feigning to be offended, right. Like faking, faking offense now is now in vogue. And I hate to bring up, you know, the, the alt-right and leftist paradigm again, because, you know, you, you have those members of the alt-right that despite um, agreeing or disagreeing with what they have to say, um, they should be allowed to say it. And when Antifa shows up 
to deny their right to say it, right, then you're, you're, you're introducing a violent conflict where one need not be, right? Just let, let them speak if they have the right to speak, and then you can take your turn to speak later, right? And then move towards, you know, speech, speech versus speech, um, and hopefully that one, one is more persuasive than the other uh, to, uh, to avoid the force and the conflict. Uh, and whereas, you know, I, and, and again, you know, all, all the shutdown, all the alt-right shutdowns from like social media groups, um, you know, the, the Facebook bannings, the Twitter bannings, the Patreon bannings, all of that is unfortunate. But I go like, well, okay, they, the, all those organizations have the right to conduct business as they choose. Um, but are they doing it because it's a prudent business decision or are they doing it um, because they're, they are also being coerced by other members from the other side of the, of the fence, um, you know, where, you know, they're, they're being threatened if they don't do it. And I think, you know, uh, the, the prudent business decision, right. Is to take the threat, right. You know, take the pay, pay off the mafia money, uh, to, to, uh, avoid getting your, uh, store burned down and then doing what they say or, you know, or, or not, um, so the, the whole speech thing is, is, is unfortunate, but it also leaves open an opportunity for, for those members of the alt-right, um, you know, to, to, to come up with their own solutions, right? Like there, there was uh, a number of different um, funding, funding sources and uh, hosting sites that popped up, uh, social media sites that popped up um, that allowed them on the platform, right? And, and so their, their, speech, uh, their speech may have been um, censored by certain groups, but it's still available to get out there. Um, and I think that makes it unfortunately, uh, even, even more powerful amongst the in group, right? Because then you end up with, you know, things like unite the right, which is all of them coming together to say like, no, 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 there, there's, there's too much leftist encroachment going on, um, and, and stifling us individually that we have to, we have to dig in and get together in order to even get this message out. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, you talked about it, was it last week, MC, where you said, you know, the, the, the encroaching socialism from the left is too great of a threat to ignore now um, that we must do what it takes to, to repel that threat. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing. With, with, with all these shutdowns, with all these government intrusions uh, and forcing on, on companies to conduct business a certain way, um, rather than using, you know, persuasion, you're, 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 pushing those uh, even more minor groups into a corner where they're going to have to come together and they're going to come out fighting uh, because persuasion and, and, and speaking and speech uh, is no longer uh, an option to get, to get their message out. MC. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's move on. To... <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Before and after welfare handouts. See, more and more lefty stuff. Uh, before the massive growth of our welfare state, private charity was the sole option for an individual or family. Oh, sorry. Uh, excuse me. Totally lost my place there. Private charity was the sole option for an individual or family facing insurmountable financial difficulties or other challenges. Uh, how do we know that? There is no history of Americans dying on the streets because they could not find food or basic medical assistance. Uh, respecting the biblical commandment to honor thy father and mother, children took care of their elderly or infirm parents, 
Family members and the local church also helped those who had fallen on hard times. Uh, during the late 19th and early, early 20th centuries, uh, charities started playing a major role. In 1887, religious leaders founded the Charity, or, the Charity Organization Society, which became the first United Way organization. In 1904, Big Brother Big Sisters of America started helping at-risk youth reach their full potential. In 1913, the American Cancer Society, dedicated to curing and eliminating cancer, was formed. With their millions of dollars, industrial giants such as Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller created our, our nation's first philanthropic organizations. Uh, generosity has always been a part of the American genome. Uh, Alex de, Alexis de Tocqueville, a French civil servant, made a nine-month visit to our country in 1831 and 1832, ostensibly to study our prisons. Instead, his visit resulted in his writing one of the most influential books about our nation. Uh, Tocqueville didn't use the term philanthropy, but he wrote extensively about how Americans love to form all kinds of non-governmental associations to help one another. Uh, these associations include professional, social, civic, and other volunteer organizations seeking to serve the public good and improve the quality of human lives. The bottom line is that we Americans are the most generous people in the world, according to the new almanac of American philanthropy, something we should be proud of. Before the welfare state, charity embodied both a sense of gratitude on behalf of the recipient and magnanimity, magna, magnanimity on the behalves of the donors. Uh, there was a sense of civility by the recipients. They did not feel that they were owed, were entitled to, or had a right to a largesse of the donor. Uh, recipients probably felt that if they weren't civil and didn't express their gratitude, more assistance wouldn't be forthcoming. Uh, in other words, they were reluctant to bite the hand that helped them. Uh, with churches and other private agencies helping people were much likelier to help themselves and less likely to engage in self-destructive behavior. Uh, part of the message of charitable, gr charitable groups was, we'll help you if you help yourself. Enter the federal government. Uh, civility and gratitude towards one's benefactor are no longer required in the welfare state. In fact, one can be arrogant and hostile toward the donors, uh, taxpayers, as, was, as the civil servants who dished out the benefits. The handouts the recipients got, get are no longer called charity. They're called entitlements, as if what is received were earned. Uh, there is virtually no material poverty in the U.S. 80% of households uh, the Census Bureau labels as poor have air conditioning. Nearly three-quarters have a car or a truck, and 31% have two or more. Two-thirds have cable or satellite TV. Half have at least one computer. 42% own their homes. Uh, what if we have in our nation is not material poverty, but dependency and poverty of the spirit, which people make un people making unwise choices and leading pathological lives, aided and abetted by the welfare state. Uh, part of this pathological lifestyle is reflected in family structure. According to the 1938 Encyclopedia of Social Sciences, that year 11% of black children and 3% of white children were born to unwed mothers. Today, it's respectively 75% and 30%. Uh, there are very little guts in the political arena to address the downside of the welfare state. To do so risks a politician being labeled as racist, sexist, uncaring, and insensitive. That means today's dependency is likely to become permanent. Uh, your thoughts, MC, if you have any, on the permanency of the welfare state. Is it permanent? I don't, I don't know. I hope not. I'm, like I said, I'm, I, I want there to be a competing option 
uh, for welfare, uh, non-government welfare, so to speak. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't think it's permanent. I, I, I think I think a lot of it will go away once there's a big a big crash. Like like a big old. financial crash, or what kind yeah, of crash are you talking? Yeah, financial crash. Um, it's really weird because the so during the last crash, what they basically did was like, well, we're not going to take responsibility for this. We're not going to let the whole market fail, uh, gracefully at least. So let's let's just give ourselves a whole bunch of money and see what happens. And uh, and so that's where we are now. The bubble, the dollar bubble, is even bigger than it's ever been. And uh, you know, it's it's one of the things. Yeah, it it might keep going. It might last forever. But um, an ever inflating financial bubble. There's, there's definitely uh, like history doesn't back that up. You know, eventually the dollar will end. Um, you know, just is it going to happen in our lifetime or not? So, um, so yeah, I would, I would say, you know, prepare for the end of the dollar and the end of your pension and the end of your, your retirement benefits and the end of your welfare. <laughs> yeah. And, and I hear that, and the, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, like, um, from, from the libertarian side of things, and I hate to go back there, right, Ron Paul has been, you know, uh, yeah. talking about that and predicting that from, like, the 70s, right? Yeah. So we're, we're going on 50 years of, you know, of, of dollar collapse predictions, right? And, it, and at some point, you're right, right, at some point, one of those predictions will be true, Um uh, but it's hard to look back and go like, well, his prediction from the seventies has finally come to fruition, right? Because right. it's a, you know like well, pe people that make predictions are usually wrong. So I'm not I'm not saying that I'm I'm predicting the end uh, in in our lifetime, um, but uh, you know that there could be something that replaces it. Okay. And 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 you know what I what I think is that people will want something different because. You know the welfare system is being abused, and it's it's unaffordable. You know the the military-industrial complex is the biggest uh, you know welfare fraud of all. Uh, you know welfare for the rich. You know, and, and the banking system is welfare for the banks. You know, it's uh, you know so so that's why I think it's not going to last because eventually people are going to I'm not going to say wake up. The the you know people don't really care. You know. Um, the, the the threat or the, the fear of the banks used to be like well if they figure out how this scam works then then you know everybody will take out their money and get something else and and that'll be the end of the banks but all the information is out there and nobody cares so it's just because there's nothing else you know up until now there hasn't been anything else that's better out there so uh, yeah it'll, I think I I think it's due for a change um, like I said I don't know if it's going to happen in our in our lifetime or not but I hope so. Yeah, I, I'm with you in the hope so part, and and the the I think one of the issues is there's already charities still in existence, right? right. And I and I've I've worked a number of nonprofits, um, and I I I get that they're trying to do good things, right? As a nonprofit, but I always I always lose interest in the organization and lose interest, you know, in the job. Um, when they start talking about like, you know, getting government grants and, and state money to help fund the nonprofit, right? Like 
the 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 charitable contributions aren't enough to sustain the organization. So even yeah. they too, as a nonprofit and as a charitable organization, uh, need to, need to dip into like the the tax pool um, yeah. to survive. And yeah. Well, and you probably shouldn't be around, right? But as long well, as people I, are paying their taxes, they don't have the extra disposable income, right? To that they would normally have to contribute to a charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, and and even even with like the UBI stuff, like if the government did it, I would I would take the money. Um, the, you know, I, I actually separate the theft with the in, in my brain the theft and the receiving of funds. I, I don't I don't feel like if I was getting money from the government that it would that it's actually from uh, uh, another person. Um, okay. So it's after just theft, and, and they don't really they don't they don't really need to steal money to, to be able to pay me. They could pay me uh, with printed money um, if they weren't stealing it. Um, so um, yeah, and I would say if if the government was going to give me uh, some sort of uh, UBI check, well, it wouldn't really be free money. It, it, it really what it would be is just less taxes because you know. There's a certain amount of tax everybody's you know, supposed to pay, and and the UBI would just basically, you know, cut into that. And so, yeah. it, overall, it would be more freedom and less tax burden, and they would be they would call it UBI, but it's like you know, basically, you're just getting us closer to zero, you know, <laughs> zero yeah. taxes. Um, so the only way, of course, to to pay for UBI would would be to get rid of all the services that we don't need, and and I'm totally for that. Because that's basically what socialism is. You know, you know, they take over the medical industry, for example. Like that's bullshit. You know, I don't, I don't want them to, you know, get get out of the healthcare industry altogether and just give everybody, you know, five hundred bucks or you know, thousand dollars a year and say, here, good luck. You know, <laughs> find your own healthcare. Like um, medical? Would you would you accept medical credits? Yeah, whatever. Don't matter. Okay. Um, I mean the the. the and that's the thing. Like the current system is so bad that it would be easy to compete with if they just if they would just you know come up with any idea that's that's better than the one they have now, uh, which is basically totalitarian uh, extreme right now. So in, in certain industries. Um, okay. So yeah. Anything else? <laughs> well, I want I want to go a little bit back to what you said initially and with regarding accepting government handouts um like i i personally do not separate the theft from like the receipt of stolen goods mm -hmm. yeah. right like no, you know knowingly receiving stolen goods um is already like you know in, in their eyes right in in the state's eyes a crime right like that you, you can get in trouble and arrested for that now um and that's not that's not a law that i would disagree with Right, like I don't. Yeah, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Let, let's say you, someone steals a whole bunch of money from you and says, "Oh, well, here, here's some of it back." You wouldn't take it. I mean, that's. <laughs> okay, and and I and I would say that's a little bit different than if someone stole a whole bunch of money from you and said, "Hey, I just stole this money from Matt. Do you want it?" Right? I, no, I don't. I don't. You know, you you should probably give that back to Matt. Um. So if 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 your strategy for accepting government goods is to have a, a net zero theft versus um, theft versus receipt ratio, then I would right. say, okay, fine. 
right? Like, you know, for, for as much of the taxes that they've taken from you, try to get as much services uh, or money back as you can. Um, but for, you know, I've, I've lost friends over the fact that, you know, they work for the state, right? Like I don't, I don't really, you know, you know, uh, the, the, the handful of people in in our circle of friends that have held those jobs, right. I was not thrilled with, but upon hearing the fact that they were working to get out of those jobs, right. I went, well, all right. As long as, as long as you're working in that direction, right. Like you're not going to renew the contract. You're not going to, you know, re-enlist, um, you know, fine. Right. Like, you know, I, 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 I honor your anarchist credentials. Um, but get the fuck out, man. Um, as soon as possible, <laughs> right. As soon as, as soon and as safely as possible. Um, and then also acknowledge that you're, you know, that you're, you're being paid with stolen funds. And if you're, if you're holding one of those jobs, right, there's no way that your contribution to the tax pool, um, is equal to what you're receiving from the tax pool. So, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a, a, a net parasite rather than a net producer. Um, right. but I, I can respect, the, I can respect the zero sum aspect of it, but not, not, not to the point where you're going, well, it's okay to take government handouts. Um, because you know, the, the, it, it, because they can get the money by printing it, the fact that they steal it is irrelevant, right? Like, you know, I, I'm going to get mine no matter what, how they get. No, nah, I go, no. Cause if, you know, if you go like, Hey dude, I, I stole this DVD player from Best Buy, right? Do you want it? I'm like, probably, you know, probably not. You know, I don't, I don't really, I would love to have a DVD player. I don't want the stolen DVD player. You know, I'll, I, I will buy one, you know, you should probably return that. Um, and I kind of look at, I kind of look at the, the tax handouts the same way. Now, if Best Buy like ripped me off, right. And sold me bunk, you know, bunk junk, of some other kind, right? Like a hard drive that failed and failed to, you know, failed to refund or return within their state of policies or whatever, by all means, shoplift that shit until you get your money back. Right. Like, I, you know, the, the zero sum aspect of it, totally on board with, um, but not, but not stealing, but not receiving stealing goods just because it's, it's, you know, you, you're okay with the theft, um, because you don't look at that aspect of it. Um, what else did you say beyond that? Oh, um, charities. Recap a little bit what you said, because I know I had more to say regarding what you said, and I, I got stuck there for a minute. I, I get stuck all the time right now, because, uh, yeah, my brain's okay. not working so fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> give, give me a second. Um, it was something to do with the charities. Oh, yeah. So, uh, as I was saying earlier, the, you know, the, the charities themselves aren't even able to function uh, because of the state. So, Oh, it was the UBI thing. God damn it, the UBI thing. I know you like UBI, and it it pains me to have this discussion um, with you because I know you're you, I know you're well, working I don't, on. I don't, I don't I don't like it in as as a way to uh, provide for people's needs. That's not okay. what it is about for me. For me, it's 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 resetting the financial system, okay. getting everybody onto a free market alternative financial system that is not dependent on uh, the, the government, uh, th- you know, theft system basically. Yes. And that, that I'm okay with as, as long as it's, you know, private and competing. Like, you know, if, if, uh, I think Mark Zuckerberg started doing something similar to that with his, with his own, you know, private charities and private philanthropic money, they go, all right, good. Let's see how that works out. Right, um, right. What was it Poland or not Poland, <laughs> Finland, one of those, God damn it. Yeah. Finland one of those. Did, uh, 
a UBI with where they you know stole money from people and gave it to other people. That's just I mean that's that's not not sustainable. Um, yeah, and they have to. They, is that the one that they have to shut it down? They closed it down because it was. Yeah, you know, they stopped it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and the, and their results probably weren't what exactly what they were looking for. Yeah, um, but you, it it, pro- it probably didn't enable like of of the people that that took the money, it probably didn't like change their life in any great way. It didn't enable them to you know focus on their art and you know, become an art you know millionaire or you know whatever yeah. you know it's like do do not, your passion man things. yeah do your passion anyway but don't do it with stolen money i mean yeah uh, i just think i just think that you know even even if it's a private charity right i th- i think the result of that type of handout leads to a similar situation um as addressed in the article and that it it, it stops being looked at as a, ch- a charitable contribution and starts being looked at as an entitlement. Like what happens if the, if the private charity doing UBI just decides one day to go like, okay, this UBI thing's not working, right? We're going to stop doing that. Right. And, and you have these millions of people who like were, had become dependent on it um, as either a portion or the sole source of their income. And what, what, what's going to become of them? Like, I, I don't particularly care what becomes of them, but it's it turns well, in it turns into an entitlement rather than so, you know so a, when, a, a charitable. When if if my model is successful, then it will be replicated uh, a couple times at least. And so, you know, it, the the whole thing with decentralized currencies, as long as you have the ability to compete, you know, as long as there's no government telling you what to do uh, or how many currencies there can be, uh, then then. The, the solutions will present themselves. Okay. So, um, I yeah, I, I really believe that. Uh, I, I believe that in 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 the in the future. So like in, the end, uh, the end of this is basically everybody, because you know technology is going to keep improving, and so everybody is going to be able to have uh, everything they want, but capitalism is going to provide that for them. Um, okay. And and that and that's that's really what. Like my message really is is like they 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 call it uh what, what what's that Facebook Facebook group I'm in it's hilarious uh, late stage capitalism yeah it's close to that um, am oh, I in shoot. the group no <laughs> I wish I had it at my fingertips um, no it was a it was a future meeting or something somebody set up okay I don't think uh, I'm a part of that one then. That doesn't sound but, familiar. But anyway, um, oh, my brain's so slow today. Um, fully automated luxury communism is that the one? Oh, okay, yeah. I'm okay. not a part of that, so, but that sounds fun. The yeah, the the idea, you know, that that whole zeitgeist movement movie, right? It's to me and Wally. Like, like I don't really, I don't really care about uh, having like all this idealistic stuff and and all that but what the zeitgeist movie got wrong was they want to end money to achieve these things but money is a really fantastic tool so and that's all it don't, is don't don't eliminate money maximize its use potential like get the most out of it you can and and the way to do that is to take the control out of the central government's hands out of the central bank's hands and let money do its thing uh 
you know, as the, as the wonderful tool it is. So um, I think we can have everything everybody wants. If someone just wanted to, you know, sit on their couch and play video games until they ride away, um, they will be able to do that. Um, there will be somebody who will pay them a little bit to, you know, watch ads or whatever, and they'll have, you know, everything taken care of, but you know, either through robots or whatever, because uh, things are just going to be so much easier to do uh, in the future. And so, you know, costs of everything is going to keep coming down. Services will get better as long as you get the government out of the way and, and let money work for people. Absolutely. And and as long as it's, you know, voluntary, <clears throat> as long as it's voluntary and persuasive as opposed to, you know, um, coercive or forceful, uh, I can get behind the idea even if I'm not, you know, even if I don't participate in it 100%. However, right. playing video games on my couch until I rot away does sound like a very appealing lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, if that's your thing. And, th and the thing is, if you don't want to do that, and there's obviously going to be people that are going to be like, yeah, I, I could just sit around and play video games, but I really want a Lamborghini. And, and you know what? There's always going to be ways to you know, make more money than the other person. Um, some people, and there's always going to be people sitting on, on their couch, uh, complaining that why should he have a Lamborghini when I, all I have is a stupid video game, you know, like, <laughs> cause get off your ass and work. You goddamn comic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's always going to bastards. be options, right. And there's always going to be, you know, different acceptances and, uh, yeah. of, uh, what people have. I mean, as long as it's a non-governmental non-state solution, cause if it's yeah. a governmental state solution, there goes your options and there goes, you know, there goes your, your ability. Well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, when you resort to government, you're basically resorting to violence to get what you want. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it, the, the government's expensive, so. And unnecessary. Um, I think that was the last point I wanted to make. Like, when you talk about shutting down, shutting down governmental services, every time there's a budget crisis, they shut down non-essential services. And every time that happens, we go, well, just make those permanent and, and scale back, Right. You know, oh my God, the 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 Parks and Recreations Department is closed. Okay, good. And just now, you now you just have like land where people can go, right? And see what happens to the parks, right? or sell it off to to private charities to maintain and run, you know, like a, a nature forest preserve or something to that effect. I think it was Japan. Like I read something. I didn't post it as show prep because it was just brief in like another article. Um, I think it was Japan. Like there was there was an organization. Um, that to preserve the scenery of the land finally did what I've been saying to do for years and they bought all the land around it, right? So that, that there's no way to like build up, um, there's no way to build up and, and and destroy the view or remove the scenery. It's like, it's just, you know, no, no, no. We, we as the organization are preserving this view and this, you know, na and this natural uh, paradise or whatever you want to call it um, for eternity or as long as we can afford it. Um, and that hit home because a lot of people, like especially here in Hawaii, are always bitching about, oh, no, they're, they're like I have the nice uh, mountain view and ocean view and they're putting up condos in, in my view. I'm like, well, then you should have bought the land in between. Right. But if it's if it's, the, you know, if it's the state that's preventing you or the state running it, um, then they're not going to allow that. And then they get to control it rather than those who want it done. MC? All right. Well, I'm, I'm good. I think. Uh, All right. Go take a nap. We'll wrap the show. 
Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us. Uh, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to contribute uh, to the show with the show prep, uh, leave us a note on what you want us to talk about in the groups on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Uh, and if you want to give to the show financially, because why the hell not? We could, you know, we'll, we'll take some UBI there. Um, do it through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.